So um, I, have, I have some things buzzing in my spirit. I started to pray last night as we were preparing for today. And uh, just have some things in my heart that I feel God wants to release into us today. And as we hear his word, I believe things are going to be activated in each one of our lives. Uh, we really are in a great season of fresh outpouring. There's a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit that is moving, and we're going to catch that wind. How many want to catch the wind of God in your life, in your family, in your ministry? Um, before I jump into the Word, I'm going to just quickly say right after service, me and Stephanie and Braden will be out in the foyer to say hi to you. Uh, we also, we're an equipping ministry, a teaching, preaching ministry. So uh, we got tons of resources out there. I'm only going to take one minute to, to share this with you. Um, one of the, the things God gave us recently was a prophetic school called Prophetic Activation, Prophesying the Golden People. And I'll just say this with the gift of prophecy. It does not take the gift of prophecy to see the faults in people. All you got to do is hang around them long enough and you will see the faults. But it does take the eyes of God to see the golden people. And one of the purposes of New Testament prophecy is to build up. And that word build up means to construct. So through the power of the prophetic, you get to construct someone's future. You get to build the future that God has for them. So we did a whole school on prophesying the golden people. Uh, then we've got this one. I want to highlight it because this is called the gate. And I believe God wants to make us all walking gateways. In other words, walking open heavens. You know, Jacob had a dream and he dreamed the ladder touching heaven and earth. And it was a gateway to heaven where the two dimensions came together. And I believe that God doesn't want us just coming to the gate. He wants us being the gate that wherever we go, we're carrying the open heaven of God with us. We're carrying Jesus with us everywhere we go. So uh, we put a teaching set together on that called Divine DNA, your new creation reality, who, who you are as a new creation in Christ Jesus and what it means to really be a walking open heaven. Uh, and then for healing, we've got this soaking CD. It's called Healing in His Wings, and it's worship music with healing scriptures and healing prayers. And I do a little singing on it as well. Praise the Lord. It's amazing what they could do in a recording studio, but... We, we have that, and it's another great teaching set. Not teaching set, worship, soaking, prayer set. And then for people that are feelers, in, they're intuitive people, they're intercessors, worshipers, they, they're sensors. They just feel, feel a lot in the spirit. Uh, we put a, a course together with seven videos called Are You a Feeler? Mentoring and Discerning of Spirits. And it's, for me, the main message in this, and we talk, we talk a lot about different aspects of discernment, but I will say this, if you're a feeler, sometimes it's easy to come under what you're discerning. Where, where even if you feel in the spirit realm uh, to come under those things, but God doesn't want you to come under those things. He wants you to rule and reign above those things where you're not under, but you're over. Come on now, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I used to have a lot of spiritual warfare in my life. And I know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The Bible teaches that there is a spiritual battle going on. But I also know that we are seated in heavenly places called to rule and reign with God in Christ Jesus. So one day the Lord said to me, Matt, you could either live in constant warfare or you can live in my glory. I didn't know I had a choice. I thought my life was just spiritual warfare, just feeling oppression and this and that. And God really taught me how to live in the glory of God, how to live in his presence so I would come above the oppression and not be underneath it. It is not the will of God for you to be oppressed in any area of your life. For you to have heaviness or discouragement or depression or fear or anxiety or worry or sadness or any of that stuff that the enemy tries to put on you, God wants you totally free, totally healthy, totally healed, totally broken through. Come on now. Hallelujah. So 
those, those are just some things we have uh, that I believe will just help you in your walk with God and in your, in your call in Him. Now, one of the things that the Holy Spirit put on my heart, we are in a season of divine suddenlies. And I want you to get ready for a suddenly coming your way. Now, when I say suddenly, I mean that there's going to be different kinds of suddenlies, accelerated suddenlies. I'm talking about sudden miracles. I'm talking about sudden household salvation. Where the most stubborn one in your family, their heart is going to open up to God and get saved. I'm talking about sudden open doors where God is going to put you in the right place at the right time and connect you with the right people for his plan to unfold in your life. I'm talking about that door you've been trying to knock down. God is saying, no, the reason you've been trying to knock that closed door down is because it's not my door to open. I got another door for you that's even better than that door. So God's going to be suddenly opening up the right doors for you. He's going to be putting you in the right place at the right time. I believe there's going to be sudden divine provision. Oh, get ready. Sudden divine provision coming your way. That everything you need in life and for the kingdom is going to come to you. For the divine purpose that God has for your life. Oh, hallelujah. We're in a season of a lot of suddenlies. And I believe you're going to get more than one suddenly. And some of you are going to be shocked by what God does. Jehovah is going to shock you. That is my favorite name for God. Jehovah Shaka. I am the Lord who shocketh thee. Okay. And I think God loves to shock us with his goodness. He really does. And in this season of suddenlies, there is a sudden coming of God into his house. Now, one of the divine calls, you know, each church has a divine redemptive call, assignment, purpose in the kingdom. One of the redemptive calls of God on this house is to be a place of the abiding presence of God, where there is a habitation for the presence of God to come down for people to encounter Jesus and be transformed. It's one of the purposes and calls of God and mandates over this house. Now, in Malachi chapter 3, it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire, behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. Now, look, it says, The Lord whom you seek will suddenly show up. Isn't that an interesting statement? The Lord whom you seek. In other words, you can position yourself for a suddenly. You can seek God. You can pray. You can worship. You can spend time in the Word. You can put your heart before God. And as you position yourself before God, you put yourself into a place where a suddenly can happen. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly show up to His temple. Now, one of the suddenlies that I sense is really going to rest on this house is sudden miracles. Sudden miracles and sudden healings. This house is not only called to be a well of the presence of God, it is called to be a well of healing. A well of the miraculous. And I think of the pool of Bethesda. How many are familiar with John chapter 5, the pool of Bethesda? Where it says that an angel would come down at a certain hour and stir the waters, and the first one to get into those waters would be healed. How many think that's an awesome thing? I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty awesome thing. I've been in Israel. I've seen the pools of Bethesda, and they are very deep pools. They're, we're not talking about a kiddie pool here or like a little shallow water or a fountain. We're talking about like pools that are 10 feet, 15 feet deep. And think all these paralyzed people laying around the edge of the water. 
and then the water stirs and the first one in gets healed the second one does not get healed so you better be the first one in especially if you're paralyzed and you can't swim praise God <laughs> you better be number one oops sorry you're number two you're gonna drown now no but I mean <laughs> there's like some reality to that right but then here's the pool of Bethesda getting stirred the angel comes down people getting healed and it's great but God is lifting off the limits of the pool of Bethesda because it was just one person healed when one angel came but when Jesus showed up on the scene that day there was a person a woman with a long deep-seated disorder I think it was 38 years she was sick and and in this condition and Jesus well actually it wasn't a woman let me let me let me go to the scripture so I don't falsely preach praise God <laughs> I got the number right 38 years but it was a man praise God and there he was on the Sabbath and Jesus goes after the angel already came and left and Jesus goes and heals this man on the Sabbath and gets the religious spirit so infuriated that he would heal or do anything on the Sabbath now I think Jesus loved to overturn religious spirits he loved to confront head-on that is definitely one spirit Jesus confronted head-on he didn't he didn't he didn't try to go over here he he hit this thing head-on and he said you know what Jesus was very intentional in his ministry and he goes to the pool of Bethesda that day on the Sabbath knowing it's the day of rest where nothing is supposed to happen and he heals this man and what does he do? He takes the limits off the pool of Bethesda. And he said, basically he was saying, hey guys, this is not just about a Sabbath day. I am the Sabbath and I'm here. Come to me and I'll give you rest and I will heal you and I will restore you and I will set you free from every religious tradition that would bind you up in works. I will set you free to enter into my rest. And the Sabbath rest in Jesus is not just one day a week, Sunday morning, where we come to church and sing a few songs and then go home, sit on the couch, and we can't do work that day. That's not what the Sabbath is for us. The Sabbath is a spiritual position of rest in Christ. Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. We get to experience the Sabbath every single day of our life. Yes, we're active. Yes, we work. Yes, we do activity. But, but, we're not, but what we're talking about here is, is ceasing from doing any work of the flesh to try to attain righteousness with God. Where it's not based on our good works, but it's based on our faith in Jesus Christ. What he has accomplished for us, we get to enter into the Sabbath and experience the same healing this man experienced when Jesus showed up that day at the pool of Bethesda. And I'm here today to tell you that there's a suddenly coming to your life that every area that has tried to hinder you, confine you, constrict you, hold you back, God is going to heal you and set you free so that you become the person he's destined and designed for you to be. And it's not going to be from a place of striving under a religious spirit. And I'm just going to tell you, there's an anointing on this house to demolish the religious spirit. 
It is one of the mandates on this house to break off a regional, religious, traditional spirit off of the church so that we can really be free in Christ and experience his wholeness, his healing, his freedom, and his joy, and what it really is to encounter the living presence of God. Oh, hallelujah. So, Jesus shows up confronts the religious spirit, heals this man, identifies himself as the Sabbath, calls people into a place of rest, and it was a suddenly. It was one of the suddenlies of God that day. Now there are, like I said before, a lot of, a lot of suddenlies, a lot of suddenlies that are, well, let me just say this. This, this place, because I do want to prophetically speak over this house. This place, this place will not just be known as the place of the well of God's presence. It will also be known as the place of the well of miracles. That as people come into the presence of God, miracles are going to be the byproduct. It's just going to happen. As you exalt the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name, every other name has to bow its knee, including sickness and disease, including every work of the enemy that tries to bind people up. It's got to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. And it's going to be the type of thing where people come into the presence of God and in the presence of God, they just start getting healed. Oh, hallelujah. They just come into the presence of God. They see Jesus high and lifted up and they get set free and healed. In fact, there is coming a move of the Holy Spirit another outpouring of the holy spirit and it's going there's going to be some similarities to the jesus people movement although it won't be a group of hippies but there is going to be a movement of god that happens across our country where on mass i'm announcing it before it happens on mass you're going to see whole segments of society encounter the living god and be saved healed and set free on mass, you're going to see deliverance take place. You're going to see chains break. Oh, hallelujah. And God is getting the church ready for the harvest that is coming. There is a prep work happening right now where God is getting his church ready for the harvest that is about to come in. How many want to see that great harvest come in? How many want to see this moving of God where hearts open and chains fall off and people are gloriously transformed? through Jesus Christ Malachi chapter 3 it says that God will suddenly come to his temple as we seek him he'll suddenly show up but then this is what it says who can endure the day of his coming who can stand when he appears he's like a refiner's fire and fuller soap he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify the priests the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord offerings in righteousness the Lord is coming as a sudden fire and he is going to purify his sons and daughters so that we offer offerings in righteousness to God I was recently in a meeting and I had, a, I had about a month where, where this followed me. I, went, I was in a meeting in London, England. And as we were worshiping God in the service, I started to smell. I thought something was on fire in the sanctuary. I started to smell a burning, fiery smell. And I thought to myself, something's on fire in the church. So I left the front row and I started walking around the church to see what's on fire. 
And I'm asking people, do you smell that smell? Yeah, I smell it. Do you smell it? No, no, I don't smell it. So some people smelled it, some people didn't. I made my rounds around the whole church, and I could smell it throughout the whole sanctuary. And many people could smell it, but not everyone. So I soon realized this is not a natural fire. I'm smelling something in the spirit. And it was like a burning incense. So as I continue in worship, the Lord opens up my spiritual vision to see into the spirit realm. And I see an angel of the Lord standing at the altar in the church. And he's holding like a bowl in his hand. And out of the bowl is coming this burning incense out of the bowl. And I'm smelling it fill the whole room. So now I have this vision and I see this thing in the spirit. So then I'm like, okay, and I'm praying and I'm worshiping. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, Matt, turn over to Revelation Turn over to to Revelation. So I open up the book of Revelation, right to Revelation chapter 8. And have you ever done that? God speak to me. Just like open up the Bible and like, I need a scripture, God. You know, I do that sometimes. God, just give me a scripture. Well, I opened right up to Revelation 8. And in verse 2, it says, in verse 3, it says, Another angel came and stood over the altar. And this is John the Revelator was having a vision of heaven. And he said, I see an angel standing over the altar. He had a golden censer in his hand, and he was given very much incense, which exhales perfume when it's burned, that he might mingle it with the prayers of all the people of God upon the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense arose in the presence of God with the prayers of the people of God from the hand of the angel. And then the angel takes the censer, fills it with fire from the altar in heaven, and then releases that fire down to the earth. And when I read this scripture, after having that vision and smelling the room filled with with a fire smell, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, in this next move, I am releasing another baptism of fire. A new baptism of fire upon my church. So then everywhere I went from London, then I came back to the United States, I was in Virginia, I was in Ohio, I was in different states, the room would become filled with the fire of God, with a tangible, with the tangible incense of the fire of God's presence. To the point where one night I was sitting on the front row and the lady standing next to me leans over to me and she says, this is going to sound really strange. And I'm like, what is it? She said, every time I look towards you, I smell fire. It's like it's coming out of your body. I smell fire. And, and I thought to myself, well, that's not so strange because of what's been happening in the meetings. Otherwise, I would say, yes, that's very strange. But so the Lord spoke to me about this baptism of fire. And I believe the vision that I got was that it, was, it wasn't even like the day of Pentecost where tongues of fire appeared over their heads in the book of Acts. They, they had tongues of fire and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But what I saw was such an all-consuming fire coming into us that it was like we became walking flames of fire. That everywhere we went, Christians looked like walking flames of fire. I mean, so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of the fire of Jesus Christ that everywhere we go, we're releasing the fragrance of heaven. Like walking flames of the fire of God. Oh, hallelujah. Now I'm telling you, as we invite the fire of God in, and this is a good thing, this is a good thing, as we invite the fire of God into our lives, I'm just going to tell you right now, everything that does not look like Jesus, everything that doesn't talk like Jesus, everything that doesn't think like Jesus, everything that does not act like Jesus is going to get consumed in the fire of God. 
so that the only thing that's left is Jesus. Now look, sometimes we can be like, oh yes, God, burn it all out. But, oh hallelujah. Oh hallelujah. Oh, you know, sometimes, sometimes, look, God doesn't send bad things. I really believe God is good. He does not send bad things into my life. But sometimes I find myself in a situation that can be negative. Oh, praise the Lord. And God will allow situations in your life to be like a fire to bring to the surface everything that you did not know was there. Because in our own eyes, we're little angels. Oh, we're little, we have the best intentions. We're little angels. You know, we're great. Everyone else that needs to change. Oh, praise God. Oh, I'm praying. I'm praying for them to change. Look, you can be praying for someone to change a long time. And if you wait until you get happy for them to change, you might never get happy. Don't wait. Look, oh, this, little, this little bunny trail. Don't wait for someone else to change before you get happy. Please do not wait for someone else to change. Find your joy in Jesus Christ now. But what I've discovered is that God will allow situations and circumstances in your life to even serve as his fire to purge out everything that needs to go. Oh, yes. Even the people that you're praying for God to change. God will let them stay the same. So you change. Oh, praise God. But how many want to look so much like Jesus that when people look at you and when people talk to you, it's like they're talking to Jesus. How many want to have so much of the fire of Jesus in them that, that when someone has a conversation with you, it's like they're interacting with Jesus. It's like they're seeing him and hearing him and feeling him through you. That's what God wants. That's what God's design and plan is for each one of our lives. But I notice here in this scripture that the incense from the angel combines and mixes together with the incense of the prayers of the saints. I just want you to know today, your prayer is never futile. Every prayer you pray rises as incense before the throne in heaven. Now look, when the incense of the angel mixes with the incense of the prayers of the saints, the result is a release of the fire of God. That's the result. The fire that is on the altar of heaven comes into the earth. Oh, hallelujah. The fire of God is released. As the prayers of the incense of the saints goes up. Now one of the things that I believe prophetically this is speaking to us of the time we're in right now is that there is a move of intercession that God is releasing in the body of Christ. It is a move of prayer and intercession that is going to prepare our hearts for the harvest and also prepare the harvest. 
I was asking one of my prophetic friends, because this encounter was so strong, and I had a conversation with Sean Baltz, who is based out in California, and he has a great prophetic ministry. And he said to me, he said the frame of reference that he has for it, what he calls incense angels, is that they would be released by God before the next great outpouring. And he said that what would happen is that God would release such a move of intercession where he would make his church homesick for the lost. That we would so love the lost like God loves the lost that we would have a homesickness for them. And it would be an anointing of intercession that would be upon our hearts and in our lives. A homesickness for the lost, for the harvest. And I believe a big part of this fire that God is releasing is to prepare the church for the harvest and also to prepare the harvest for their hearts to be opened and to come in to the kingdom of God. And as I've been praying into this and, and in my own life asking for the fire of God to search through my own heart, there is an amazing thing that happens here in Isaiah chapter 4. And then there's something else I want to share with you. In Isaiah chapter 4, it talks about the spirit of burning. In Isaiah 4, it says this. It says in verse 4, After the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and has purged the bloodstains of Jerusalem from the midst of it by the spirit and blast of judgment and by the spirit of burning, it says, and the Lord will create over the whole site, over every dwelling place of Mount Zion, and over her assemblies a cloud by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night, and over all the glory will be a canopy, a, def a, a fortress of God's divine love and defense. I want you to see what happens here. As the spirit of burning is released, what follows that is a canopy and a covering of the glory of God. Every area of your life that you invite the fire of God into, as the fire of God purges and purifies your heart, you will find the canopy of the glory of God increasing over your life. And not just over your life, but also over your family. Because it says here, over her dwelling, dwelling, gathering places, over your homes, over your church, there will be a canopy of a divine, a, a divine defense and love of the glory of God. How many want your homes covered with the glory? Your family covered with the glory? You see, because what God is doing today, He's not just touching your life he wants to touch your whole family and this is one of the suddenlies where we're going to be shocked as we see family members saved and brought brought to God it's like suddenly all of a sudden they're going to start encountering God because of the canopy of God's defense that's over your home and over your family now some of us have complained to God about the families we were born into some of us are like, God, couldn't I have been born into a different family? Why am I born into this family, God? Maybe you're the only Christian in your family. Maybe you didn't come from a whole line of Christians. And you're like, God, why am I born into this family? Well, God wants you to know today that he strategically had you born into that family so that he could bring redemption to that bloodline. So that you and your house can be saved. So that through your faith, that anointing will travel through the bloodline and touch generations. Oh, hallelujah. 
there's another baptism that God is releasing. He's releasing a baptism of fire that is going to bring such a depth of purity and holiness and consecration in our lives. And it's going to be from a place of amazing rest in the finished work of Christ and the freedom that he brings into our lives. But there's something else that God is also releasing in our hearts. And I believe that God in this hour, and probably this is maybe the most important thing that I will say this morning, God is aligning our hearts with eternity. God is aligning the church's heart with eternity again. Because it is so easy to get distracted by the day-to-day. It is so easy to get caught up in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and all the earthly things that are going on and lose sight of eternity and lose sight of what is most important to the heart of God. You know, as I read the Bible and I study Scripture and the gifts of God and the gifts of the Spirit, and Paul, you know, he exhorts in in biblical text, he exhorts. He says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly cultivate them and go after them. This is the will of God for you. And then he goes on to say in in Corinthians, he says, earnestly desire these gifts, but I'm going to show you an even more excellent way. Love. Now, I ponder this, and I think about this, and and I'm like, love? I'm like, God, Paul's talking about the greatest spiritual gifts, and then my mind starts to think, what are the greatest spiritual gifts? I mean, imagine having a spiritual gift where every person you walk by, every crippled person you walk by jumped out of that wheelchair, totally healed by God instantly. I mean, how many would love that spiritual gift? I mean, that's a gift of working of miracles. Or, or what about a gift of prophecy where, where God would give you intimate detail, like fine-tuned details over someone's life that when you prophesy to them, it makes God so real to them that he knows every little thing about their life. I mean, that is an amazing spiritual gift as well. And I think of all these powerful gifts of God. And then Paul ends that statement by saying, but yet I'm going to show you even something more excellent than all of this. Love. And then he goes on to say, there's faith, there's hope, and there's love. But the greatest of all these three is love. And again, I say, well, faith, faith to move mountains, faith to perform miracles, or or hope, hope in eternal salvation, hope that when we die, this is not the end. We have eternal life. I mean, hope is a very powerful thing for our future destiny. But he says, even greater than faith and hope is love. And I think of this, and I think of, I think of the conversation I had with Dr. Oral Roberts, who was a great healing evangelist in the 1950s. Ten crusades all across America filled with thousands of people being healed and miracles happening. And I asked him four months before he went home to be with the Lord in heaven. I had a conversation with him in his home. And I asked him, what was one of the secrets of your healing ministry your miracle ministry and he looked at me and he said you know a lot of people would say it was my faith he said but I'm going to tell you when I was in my hotel room we started to do these we started to do these these healing campaigns he said and we had some miracles happen we had some healing happen he said but then I started to change the way I prayed and I started in my prayer closet before a healing service, I started to ask God for his love for the people. 
He said, I would walk into a meeting and I would see all the people and all the cripples. He says, and my heart would love them. Imagine loving the people you're called to minister to. I know, it's, it's a novel idea. He said, but I started to be moved by the love of God for the people. He said, then the miracles exploded in the meetings. And as he shared this with me, my brain instantly went to Galatians chapter 5. And in Galatians chapter 5, we know the scripture that says it like this, faith works through love. Faith works through love. But in the Amplified Bible, it takes the Greek and it expounds it a little bit more. In Galatians 5 verse 6, it says, faith activated, energized, and expressed, basically set into motion through love. Faith activated, expressed, energized through love. Faith set into motion. Jesus was moved with compassion and healed the sick. His faith was set into motion. His faith was activated by the compassion and love of God. Whoever knew that the real secret source of power behind faith was love? Love is the real secret source of power even behind our faith. And I think of these scriptures and I think about the time I was in a meeting. And this woman was carried into the meeting, dying of bone cancer. She was a skeleton. She couldn't even walk. They carried her into the service. And they sat her on the front row. My mom and my dad were with me in the, in the church that night. And we were all sitting on the front row. And they sat her next to my mom. And when it came time at the altar to pray for the sick, and I was praying for people, during that service, this woman couldn't even move. My mom wrapped her arms around her and just held her. And as she held her, I saw her just whispering into her ear. And I thought, well, I guess she's praying for her or, or praying prayers for her. And I found out later what was happening. And as I'm over here praying, suddenly I hear a commotion on that side of the altar. And I see this woman jump up out of the seat and start dancing all around the altar, completely healed by God. <laughs> Throwing her arms in the air, her legs in the air. She starts screaming, I'm healed. The pain is gone. And she says, my son is in the car. He's waiting in the parking lot. He didn't even come into the church that night. He just dropped her off and they carried her in. She runs past me, runs down the center aisle of the church, runs out of the church to tell her son that Jesus healed her. Carried in and runs out. Come on now. Some of you carried some stuff in today, but you're leaving it here. You're going to run out. You're going to run in wholeness and freedom. And later on, my mom said, you know, I just felt so much love rise up in my heart for her that I just held her. And as I held her, the love of God was pouring into this woman's cancer-ridden body. And my mom, all she did, she didn't even pray a prayer for her. All she did was speak the word into her ear. By his stripes, you are healed. By his stripes, you are healed. The Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the evil one. By his stripes, you are healed. And she just started speaking scripture into her ear. And before you knew it, this woman, the power of God, shot through her body. And she was totally healed by God. Love. Everyone say love. I was in a meeting with 
one of my well it was a prophetic gathering and I think what I'm about to share with you right now in the next few minutes and I pray the Lord helps me get this out in the next few minutes that it's probably the most important thing maybe that I have ever preached in my life and I believe it's a word from God that he's releasing to the church right now I was in a prophetic gathering filled with 250 prophets from 50 nations and it was five six days long we went from eight in the morning till eight at night prophesying worshiping and praying that's all we did and we heard what prophets were saying from around the world and out of that whole week there were many powerful moments that I could say were very impactful but I'm gonna tell you the most for me the most impactful moment was at lunch <laughs> praise God Jesus likes to hang out at lunch and there I am at lunch with with three or four of our friends and we're sitting there and one of them is from Israel and he oversees the Jerusalem house of prayer in Israel and he says to me Matt can I share with you what's been happening in my life over the last year and I'm like yeah what's 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 happening what's going on and he starts to share what his family has been through over the past year and he had a 27 year old daughter she was married had a five-year-old son and his daughter she was very gifted in singing won awards all over Israel in music contests and just a very gifted young lady she came down with cancer and they were in the hospital room and as they're in the hospital room she passes away of cancer and they all get around her body and they start calling her back to life again and as the family the mom the dad the, the family the sisters brothers as they're praying this young lady spirit comes she was she was gone for quite some time no heartbeat just gone and as they're praying 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 suddenly this young lady comes back into her body and gasps and opens up her eyes and sees her dad standing over her and when she opens up her eyes and sees her dad she says dad I was in heaven and I saw Jesus and he spoke to me and this is what he said and she begins to share a heavenly conversation that she had with the Lord in heaven. And I'm, I asked him permission, and he gave me permission to share this with you. And I'm going to share with you a, a conversation that happened on the other side of eternity. She said, Dad, when Jesus looked at me, he didn't say anything to me about my awards and accomplishments. He didn't say anything to me about all the things I accomplished. The first thing he says to me was, thank you for loving me the way you love me. Thank you for worshiping me the way you worship me. You've brought joy to my heart. And I think about that and all the times in the scripture I've read in his presence is fullness of joy. And I've always thought, yes, when I get into God's presence, I have fullness of joy. But I never thought of the other side of that, that when we worship God, we get to minister joy to his heart because when he looks down at a redeemed son and daughter worshiping him and loving him we minister joy to him it's not just joy to us he said thank you thank you for loving me the way you love me and for worshiping me even when it was difficult even when it was painful thank you for loving me the way you have loved me and then he says and thank you and he starts to name people to her thank you for loving so and so so well thank you for forgiving them the way you forgave them 
Thank you for loving them so well and forgiving them the way you... And he starts to name to her the people that she loved and forgave. And then he says to her, thank you for being a mom. Thank you for loving your son. I think sometimes even moms, they look at, you know, they're at home maybe with their children and they look at what other people are doing. And God looks at it very different. He looks at that mom pouring her life into her children. And it's a very high thing in the kingdom of God. So, as Jesus is saying these things to her, she gets pulled back into her body and comes back to consciousness. And I'm just going to say, I think the things that we put, or the things that the world, I'll say it like this, the things that the world finds most impressive is least impressive to God. I even think the things that we find most impressive are least impressive to God. And I think it is easy to fall into these things even in the church world. It is so easy to fall into false comparison. It is so easy to have an earthly view of success. And we do it even in church. We do it when we look at Instagram. We do it when we see this church and that church or this ministry and that ministry and we start to compare ours to theirs and we start to gauge a level of success based on an earthly standard and it would be so easily from an earthly perspective to say well surely the, the platform of Reinhard Bonnke in Africa where he preaches at one time to over a million people surely that is more successful and I've stood on that platform in Africa with Reinhard Bonnke and I've seen the sea of faces, and it is an amazing thing to see. But then I've also been on my knees in, a, in the dirt in a mud hut in Africa with Heidi Baker giving a piece of bread to an African mom who had no bread that day. And it would be so easy to say, well, surely, if we're really going to be successful, the platform to a million is more successful than, than the mud hut giving a piece of bread to someone. But what I've come to understand is that anything that is motivated by love is the same in the eyes of God. Whether he trusts you with a platform to a man or he trusts you with a piece of bread to give to someone who is in need of a piece of bread. If you do that act of service motivated by love, it is the same and both have rewards. Both have rewards. Not one is better than the other. In fact, the Pharisees did a lot of their stuff to be seen by people and they had their reward already. There will be no eternal reward for something that is not motivated by love. And this is why God wants to align our hearts with eternity and align our hearts with heaven. Because there's works of gold and silver and there's works of wood, hay and straw. And the works of wood, hay and straw, although they may look really good on the earth and people may even clap and applaud and say, wow, that is so successful. 
But if it's not motivated by love, in the end of the, in the, end of the day, the fire of God burns it up. And what is gold and silver is what passes through the fire. And what's gold and silver is everything we do, whether it's on a platform or somewhere in a hidden place. Anything we do motivated by love. And I thought to myself, when I heard this heavenly conversation, I went right back to the gospel and I said to myself, God, it has been in the word the whole time. It has been in the word the whole time. And I opened up and I started reading again through the gospels. And I saw in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. There's no other commandment greater than these. Love God with all your heart and love people. Right there, Jesus was showing us what is the most important thing to God's heart. In fact, what it all comes down to. Love God and love people. It is really simple. If we could get this one scripture right, we will have filled. We will have fulfilled the gospel. Love God and love people. He does not make it complicated. He does not make it complicated. And and I think God is really wanting to align our hearts with eternity. To show us. And, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. We all, we all have unique journeys in this life. We all go through different things in our life. We've been through different things. We've, we're going through different things. And we'll go through different things in the future. And this is what I think. God doesn't send bad things to us. But I believe God is so good and so big and so powerful. He can even utilize those bad things for his purpose. And this is what I've come to realize. Every painful moment in life. Every stressful moment. Every stretching moment. It is. in God's all-knowing power designed or redesigned by him to teach us how to love the things we've been through that we say god i wish i never had to go through that god allowed you to walk through it because number one he knew his grace would be sufficient for you and number two and i think everything in life comes back down to this one thing and when we stand before him in eternity it will come down to this one thing it won't be what was your accomplishments what did you achieve what did It'll be, did you love God with all of your heart? And did you love the people around you? It'll come down to those things. And every act of service we do flowing from that place. And I've come to realize that every painful moment I find myself in, rather than despising, rather than allowing frustration to consume my heart it is an opportunity to love it is an opportunity to grow in love it is an opportunity to have the love that jesus had for you and for me and i think this is what it all comes down to no matter what we do in our secular jobs no matter what we accomplish it all comes down to this these two commandments And as we've sought the Lord, God has, God has in many ways 
set a plumb line in our own life and ministry. A, a point of testimony that I could share with you, and I'm going to wrap this up in the next minute now. The point of testimony I could share with you is that now as we have as we have sought the Lord in this ministry, we have now crossed over seeing over 260 children rescued from trafficking. And to share a testimony about this, last year, through amazing partners and sponsors and Christians who give and sow, we were able to open up a boys' home last year, a boys' home in Mexico. That home is now full of young boys all under the age of nine years old that have been rescued out of severe trafficking situations. All under the age of nine. All of many of these boys sold into movies, sold into, sold out to 20 people a day. And I'm going to use my vocabulary very carefully here in case there's any children in the room. But you understand, those boys are now safe and sound in our home. This year, when we were coming into this year, I turned to Stephanie in January. I said, Stephanie, get ready. There's a wind blowing. I could feel it. And I knew God was getting us ready, and a divine door opened up for us. It suddenly came to us into Thailand. And we have a list of 100 girls' names in Thailand that we are in the process right now of redirecting their lives into a safe place from trafficking. And we are working with families, and we are working in these children's lives to break generational trafficking. Because some children, they're born into trafficking families and it's cultural at a certain age to begin selling your children into it but we have a school where we are basically as a as our ministry we are fully funding the education for 100 our goal is 100 girls to basically say you don't need to sell your child into trafficking but they can come to this school we will fully fund their education until they graduate at 18, then get established in a, in a job and in a trade. This way we break the cycle of generational trafficking happening in families in Thailand. And this is our endeavor this year that we're really pouring into. All of our centers are thriving in India and Mexico and Philippines and now in Thailand this year. And I'm going to, in a minute, we're going we're gonna to pray. I want to pray for some folks today as well. I know children are coming, but I want to pass this over to Pastor John. For us this year, it is for us, and I've been talking with my team, and they say to me, Matt, we cannot go to one of these kids and give them false hope. We can't say we're going to help you and then turn away and not be able to do it. So we are in the process of raising the finances to say, okay, we've got this now. Go and rescue that child. We've got this now. Go and rescue that child. And we're, we're in the throes of this right now. Um, for one child to be rescued, it is only $600. Whereas in ministry, we say we've got $600. We could commit for a year to cover this one child. Go and get that child. But we secure the funds, and then they could go and get the children. And then we trust God for sponsors and stuff for the longevity of, of the support of these children as they're being brought in. So, praise the Lord. 